You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Sometimes people look at what's happening in the world and say, who done it? And when, when we consider what God has done, we need to really look at, uh, seriously look at what he's done for us, because we do serve a God of miracles, the God of the miraculous. I'm, I'm very excited about this series this month. I believe that uh, God's going to engage us at a whole other level with coming into a greater understanding of his purpose, of his plan, and just his nature. He's a God of the miraculous. And I believe that we can, when we encounter him, we're going to come in touch with that aspect of who God is. He's a God of miracles, signs, and wonders. And, and so Hopefully, we're going to learn some stuff about that this month, and, and I, I trust that even in the service today that you'll be blessed by the ministry of the Word. I, I, I want to congratulate the Stevens Point Christian Academy girls basketball team. They had a great victory. Actually, this season, they're undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> so far. And, but uh, they won by three points uh, against Faith Christian Academy at the rec center this past Friday night. And but I tell you, they looked, they looked like they were playing like boys. They were very aggressive. I've never seen those girls that aggressive, so look out. And I tell you, but we're excited about what God's doing through Stevensburg Christian Academy. And we're accepting enrollments for this fall term. So if uh, you have children of school age, uh, consider that as an option for their training. I, I actually have a couple of uh, jokes for you this morning, but I, I was a little bit reluctant. I, I shared one of them with, actually shared both of them with Michaela, and she didn't have a, too good of a response. So I shared uh, them with Anna, and, and she liked them, so I thought, well, maybe I'll share this. Well, anyway, there was an elderly woman who had just returned home from a church service, and when she opened up her house, she realized there was an intruder there, a, a burglar that was robbing all of her valuables. And when she saw the intruder, she said with a loud voice, stop in the name of X. <laughs> I already blew it. No. <laughs> stop in the name of Acts 238. Okay? And then the guy just was froze. He froze right there. And uh, so then she calmly called 911, and the officer showed up, and they handcuffed the guy, and they asked, you know, so why did you just stop and freeze when she yelled the scripture passage at you? And the burglar said, scripture passage? She said she had an ax in 238s. Okay. Okay. I almost blew that one, Okay. Uh, the other one is this man that's believing for a miracle, and, and uh, the rain was coming down, and, and the water, flood waters were coming up, and, and so there were warnings going out. They needed to evacuate the community, but uh, this man, he was convinced that God was going to give him a miracle and save him. And so the water starts uh, coming up, comes up to his porch, and a boat goes by, and, and the, they yell at him and say, hey, come into the boat. You know, we need to rescue you. The flood waters are going to continue to rise. He said, no, I'm believing for a miracle. I'm believing for God to save me. And so the waters keep rising up, and finally he's sitting on the roof of his house. Two more boats pass by, and 
You're going to want to save them. No, I'm believing for a miracle. God's going to save me. Uh, finally, a helicopter comes and drops the line down and said, hey, grab the rope. We're here to save you. We're here to rescue you. No, I'm waiting for God to save me. I'm believing for a miracle. Finally, uh, floodwaters engage him, engulf him. He dies. He goes to heaven standing before God. And he says, God, why didn't you save me? Why didn't you give me a miracle? He said, well, I, I sent four boats and a helicopter. What else could I do? You know, so sometimes we're believing for a miracle, but we don't always know how it's going to come and how God is going to work it out. So, and so we can't always, you know, say, no, this is what I want. We can't uh, demand what kind of miracle we receive or how it comes, but we need to trust God in that. And, and I, I want to uh, just, again, welcome everyone here this morning, especially first-time visitors, first-time The Refuge. Uh, we have recently gone through a relaunch. Uh, after 30 years of being Good News Fellowship Church, we are now Refuge. And, and this relaunch has been very strategic. We really believe it's been something that God has revealed to us as a church family. And God has given us a new name for a new season. And, and I believe that God has really appointed us as a church to be a refuge, a place for people to come and really have an encounter with Jesus Christ. We are the same church, but with a new identity, with a clear assignment to reach people for Jesus. And so that's what it's all about. And I, I, there are so many passages about refuge in the Bible, and, and I'm going to share just a couple with you this morning before we uh, pray. One is Psalms 91, verse 2. It says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. So I believe this is the place where we will learn how to trust God at another level. Later in Psalms 91, in verse 9 through 11, the scripture reads, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. So we believe that a refuge is a safe place for people. This is a safe place where you can come and grow and experience uh, the love of God, experience uh, what God has for you as far as a purpose and a plan for your life. And so this morning, I just want to mention recommended reading for this month. We actually are recommending two books. The first is Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bosworth. In this book, Christ the Healer is really a book that reveals the heart of God and the redemptive purpose of God that results and Jesus being a healer. And so it's a great resource. It's a great faith builder. We encourage you to get that. Also, later this month, Bruce Fanetta, who's a member of our congregation and a very uh, wonderful man of God that has had an extraordinary miracle in his life, he has written this book called A Miraculous Life. And um, he's been on television. His, he's been interviewed uh, by a number of TV stations and and media organizations to share his testimony with them. And, and so you'll hear that at the end of this month, and we want to encourage you and invite people to hear what God has done in his life. And, and even the, the doctors concerning his case, they spent a year studying to try to find out how this guy lived, and, and they had to close the books and say, we have no explanation. Uh, they had to finally 
determined that this is a miracle and we have no explanation of why this guy lived. So, and you'll hear that testimony later this month. Let's join our faith together as we pray because I believe, you know, uh, we really need to allow the Spirit of God to touch our hearts today so we can receive from His Word. Thank you, Father. Father, we give you praise and glory for this message and for the opportunity to minister to this body of believers. Thank you, Father, for giving to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Father, allow our understanding to be enlightened so we can grasp and comprehend more of the truth of your word to help us believe and, and receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, uh, one of the first things I want to do is, is define miracle for you. And, and a good resource for that is Webster's Dictionary. And actually, Merriam-Webster defines miracle as an unusual or wonderful event that is believed to be caused by the power of God. You know, I was really surprised that God was even mentioned in that definition, which I thought, well, that's really good. And so I thought, well, I better continue to do a little more research. So I checked out dictionary.com. And dictionary.com defined miracle as an effort or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to be a supernatural cause, or ascribed to be a supernatural cause. And then the second part of that definition goes on to say, such an effect or event manifesting or considered as a work of God. So it's interesting, both of these dictionary resources recognize God as a source of miracles or the source of the miraculous. I found that interesting. Now, we realize that a miracle is a divine operation that transcends what is normally perceived as natural law. In other words, natural laws are often broken, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to science because it just doesn't make sense. How can this happen? Because a natural law is surpassed by a supernatural effect. It cannot be explained by any natural basis. In fact, uh, the Greek word uh, for miracle that we see in the New Testament is the word dunamis. And that's the word that we get our modern-day word dynamite from. So it actually means uh, power, might, and strength. It's, it's an expressive or it, it's a manifested power, strength, of, of, or the might of God. It's coming into some form of manifestation. And so we can come to a conclusion that a miracle is a supernatural intervention of God. It's God intervening on behalf of mankind in some way. I like a, a verse I found in, in Job, the book of Job. And, and if you've ever studied the book of Job, if you know about Job, and this was a guy that was a good guy, but it's like everything bad happened to him. I mean, he just had this uh, stretch of bad luck, it seemed. And yet, in the midst of this, he didn't get bitter towards God. He kept his heart right. He kept trying to figure things out. But he realized uh, in this course that, that God was for him, not against him. And so uh, the outcome of, of the book, of the life of Job is, is, is positive. But there's something that is stated in this, in this book. It's really good. It's in Job 5, 9. It says, He does great things too marvelous to understand. 
he performs countless miracles. Now, this was Job acknowledging that God performs countless miracles, and we don't always understand them and, and the why of, of this, but we're living in a culture, in a society, where we want to know the explanation. How does this work? And, and when I was growing up, you know, I always wanted to know how things worked. And so I had a wind-up alarm clock, and I wanted to find out how that thing worked. So I took it apart. And then when I was taking it apart, all these pieces started falling out, and, and before I realized, okay, now I have to put this back together. And for whatever reason, I couldn't get it back together the way it originally was. And so it didn't work anymore. And so in my effort to find out how this thing works, I broke it, and it didn't work anymore. But yet, I think, and a lot of us, I don't know if you're that way, but you want to know, how does this work? This just doesn't make sense. And so that's where there's an element that goes beyond our understanding in the dimension of God's supernatural realm, and God is wanting to, to come into this natural realm with his supernatural realm and blow our minds and do things that we, you know, would never have thought he could be done. In the scripture says all things are possible with God. In another passage says there's nothing impossible for God. And so we serve all or nothing God. All things are possible and nothing is impossible. So that covers every spectrum of what could be, what couldn't be, uh, the ifs, ands, or buts. It, it, it's all included in that. And so uh, the Bible is actually full of stories of miracles, signs, and wonders. Uh, God works miracles. In fact, from the creation of this universe, uh, from man maintaining this universe, to his personal involvement with our lives. God's working miracles. And, and, and you know, yet there are those who don't believe in miracles. They just don't believe in miracles. Maybe because they've never experienced one, or should I better say, maybe haven't recognized one. Uh, there are those who live in denial of the miraculous. Maybe they just, they're, they're just uh, in the setting, they just, oh, I, I just don't believe that those things can happen. And even when somebody has a testimony of something that, that has happened in their life that's a miracle, they still question or doubt it. But there's one thing that's different when you experience it in your own life where it's at the level of undeniable, then you have to come to the conclusion, okay, this was a miracle, I can't. I can't deny this anymore. Um, how many of you would lift your hand and say, I have experienced a miracle in my life that I can't deny? How many of you lift your hand? I just I, I want to do this exercise, and that's good. It's about 50-50. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, those that raised their hands and those that didn't. And I appreciate your honesty because I don't want you to raise your hand if, you know, uh, you, you know, never or should say you experienced a miracle and you didn't. So being honest is important. Psalm 66, verse 5. I love this passage. It says, come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for people. Now, we see this as an invitation. Put, keep that up there for a while, that passage. I just want you to, Psalm 66, verse 5. Do we have that? It says, come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for people. 
See, this is an invitation, an invitation of, of calling people to come and observe what God has done. But he does miracles for people. Amen. And see, I want to build a case for miracles in this series. Do we have the right to expect miracles in our life? Or do we reject them because of past disappointments? Maybe uh, you were believing for a miracle and it didn't happen. Uh, maybe we shouldn't get our hopes up because of disappointment. I don't want to give false hopes or false expectation. Now, should we get our hopes up? I believe we should. But it should be also qualified because to just get somebody's hopes up without substance and a reason, you know, that's not always the best scenario. Um, some say there was a day of miracles. They don't deny that miracles existed in the past, that Jesus healed the sick and raised the dead and did all those kind of things, walked on water. Uh, but some people say, well, that was back then. That doesn't really apply for now. But I say that we serve a God of miracles that is still working miracles today. And now, now there's this term called cessationism. If I, I don't think I pronounced that right. Cessationism. <laughs> yeah, somebody help me out with that word. I said it right, okay. Yeah, it, it's one of those words that it sounds goofy, you know. But that's a, a term for uh, a person that believes that miracles ceased uh, when the apostles died. That Because we see recorded in the book of Acts, signs, miracles, and wonders that were performed while the apostles were living and serving uh, in the kingdom. But yet, then there's a point uh, where some believe that they cease, that there's no longer a reason for miracles because the proof and the evidence has already been established for God in the earth, and so we don't need any more proof. But uh, I'm, I don't follow that kind of line of thinking because I believe that God still does miracles today. Uh, Albert Einstein, I found an amazing quote from him. He said, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as though nothing is a miracle. The other is though everything is a miracle. I think that's, that's an amazing quote. And, and, and one by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis states, Miracles are a retelling in small letters of the very same story which is written across the whole world in letters too large for some of us to see. Yeah, see, there, I believe there's a difference between false hope and earnest expectation. And God is wanting earnest expectation to be elevated in our life as, as we believe God uh, to reveal himself in the affairs of mankind. Especially when we look at our society and our culture, when we see the depravity of sin, we see the atrocities taking place, we see the evil in the world, we need the miraculous power of God to be demonstrated to this generation like never before. And see, you might think, well, I would have loved to live in the day of Moses and the splitting of the Red Sea. Isn't that amazing? You know, watch that to see the things that occurred back then. But yet, we serve a God of miracles that wants to work a miracle in our life today. And we want to talk about the greatest miracle because sometimes we think, well, this is great, this isn't so great. But we want to focus on the greatest one, and we'll get to that in a little bit here today. 
uh, unanswered prayer, and I just want to state this, often creates doubt and uncertainty in the lives of people uh, that can cause them to reject the miraculous altogether. Yet as believers, the miraculous is to be part of our life. If you look at, and we won't turn there, but Mark chapter 16, verse 17, says that miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Now, that's, it doesn't say, will accompany just the apostles or ministers of the gospel. It says miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. In other words, it will be a part of our life. It will be a part of our walk. And so miracles and signs should be part of our life according to that passage. Now, if Jesus performs signs and wonders in his ministry, who are we to think that we don't need them in our ministry in the earth as we reach out to, the, to an unbelieving world? You know, who are we to think that we can uh, do what we're supposed to do without miracles and signs and wonders? In John 14, 12, Jesus made a statement to his disciples. He said, the works that I've done shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Now, I'll talk about that a little later this month, but there's something there that we need to understand that we as ambassadors of Christ, we as servants of Christ are to do his works. So Jesus was empowering believers for the miraculous. Now, that's a, that's a whole other topic, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later this month. Now, we need to discover that the God of wonders who performed miracles in the past desires to demonstrate them in our life today. Uh, we want to talk about the greatest miracle of all time. I, I want you to look at Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at this scripture here and touch on this. In, in this passage, you might say, okay, how does this relate to miracles? But this takes us back to creation, and really the reason we need miracles today is because of, of what occurred a long time ago. But Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 18 we see, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later, okay? You may be going through something painful. You may be suffering from something. And this isn't actually Romans 8. I'm not sure if we have scriptures to go with this. Okay, so you have to read the old-fashioned way. Open your Bible. You can look on your uh, iPad or uh, iPhone and the Bible app and, and look at this. But Romans chapter 8, I'm reading from the New Living Translation here. Romans 8, 18 again, what we suffer now is nothing to be compared with what he will reveal to us later. So you may be going through some stuff, but God's about to reveal something. It says in verse 19, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Verse 20, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, Verse 21, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in the glorious freedom from death and decay. Now, verse 22, and this is our verse, the key verse for this morning's message is, for we know that all creation has been groaning and as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Now, now what happens to a, a woman who's in childbirth? In, in the midst of that, in labor, laboring, there's pains, there's agony, there's discomfort. But when that child is born, there's a joy 
And, and, the, and now I haven't given childbirth, but mothers, would you attest to this? After you are holding that baby, that child is born, do you forget about the pain? It's probably still there. I would think it would still be there. But the focus is no longer on the pain, but it's on that precious child that was just born, right? And so the pain will, will soon be forgotten in light of the new birth. And so what God is saying to us in his word, what the scripture is telling, that something caused the curse to happen, and that's the sin, man's sin, that cause groaning and pain and difficulty to come into this world that all of us endure, all of us suffer. And yet, something that God's about to do is going to change all that. And yet, what he did already has initiated that, what he did on the cross, and we're going to look at that. And what is this groaning? What is this pain? What went wrong to make such a mess of things in this world? It really, uh, Matthew Henry in his commentary says sin has been and is the guilty cause of all the suffering that exists in the creation of God. Sin is what caused all the pain and suffering that mankind endures. So when we look at the greatest or the initial miracle was creation. God made all this, okay? But then after creation came the fall. Shortly after the creation account in Genesis, we see the fall of man. We see Adam partaking of what was forbidden and sharing it with his wife Eve, okay? Actually, kind of the other way around, but uh, we, won't, we won't go into that, okay? Now, although creation itself was miraculous, the fall resulted in a need for another miracle, the redemption of fallen mankind, okay? And so why... Do we need miracles? Well, because what went wrong because of Adam's sin is the very reason why we need miracles today. Okay. Now, the greatest miracle God ever performed, I, I want to talk about this because we see in picture, a picture in the book of uh, Psalms, that in Psalms 8, 3, that God created the heavens with his fingers, the span of the heavens, the stars, the planets, the scripture says he created them with his fingers. In Psalms 95, verse 5, says he fashioned or formed the earth with his hands. Now, when you think about it, what you can do with your fingers um, is one thing, because there's certain strength you have in your fingers, but with your hands, it means there's more effort involved when you're using the force and the strength of your hands. So when God created the Outer space, he uses fingers. With the earth, he uses hands. He took more time with it. But then there's a third element that's revealed in Isaiah 53, 1. It says, and unto whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? That's in reference to our redemption, the saving of mankind. So that implies that the greatest strength, God's greatest ability was exerted when he brought forth redemption. Now, what is redemption? Redemption is to restore fallen man back to God's original intent, to restate mankind in the place of fellowship with God that was broken because of sin in the fall. So, that's something that we need to come to really understand. The, the salvation of mankind 
is really the greatest miracle that required the greatest energy that God could ever exert. Because not only did it require a price to be paid by he offering himself to be that sacrifice, but also for the resurrection from the dead to break free from the grip of death, hell, and the grave. And as we approach Easter and we talk about the resurrection, we're going to be seeing more and more of the relevance of of what that means in our life. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.